Does it seem that the parenting methods you're using aren't working? Are you consistently implementing all the strategies we talk about on this podcast, but you aren't seeing any change in your children? Well, then we are pretty sure you're doing it wrong. I'm just kidding. We're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Here at the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast, we have three main goals. Number one, to glorify God. Two, to help Christian parents reach the hearts of their children. And three, to provide Ginger with ample hot dog money. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it does cost us money, believe it or not, to keep creating content that is thoughtful, helpful, and we hope encouraging to you. It sure does, which is one of the reasons why we've changed up our format a little bit, and we've actually decided to ask you, our wonderful listeners, to consider supporting our podcast in one of a few ways. Katie, I'm going to let you do the honors. Well, first, we would love it if each and every one of you prayed for us. You know, maybe during that part of the show when Ginger's talking about Vaseline again or something, you can just (laughs) offer up a prayer for us to keep laughing and, more importantly, listening to the Holy Spirit as He guides us. Yeah, okay, maybe I should have done the honors. <laughs> you just can't let it go. I can't help it. <laughs> Secondly, if you have been encouraged by our show, we would love for you to share that with your friends, family, and maybe that mom in the neighborhood whose kid is peeing in a flower pot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was Ginger's kid. Ginger's kid did that. Yep. <laughs> she did. Yep. Well, word of mouth is absolutely the best way for our show to reach the earbuds of moms and dads who could use some encouragement for a change. And finally, we would like to offer you, our listeners, the opportunity to partner with us by supporting this podcast financially, whether it's a dollar a month or if you want to get real crazy, a hundred dollars a month. Honestly, any amount at all helps us to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. So just go to gingerhubbard.com slash support to learn more. Again, that's gingerhubbard.com slash support. Well, Ginger, I'm excited about today's episode because we have another listener question to answer. Those are some of my favorites. So let's jump right into our question. Allie in Kansas says this. Hi, I've been blessed by your honest parenting stories and advice. My husband and I are overall on the same page of parenting, but lately, as I've been implementing your strategies, we've been at odds over methods. He feels I'm too soft, and my using a soft-spoken voice doesn't convey enough reproof. He loves Paul Tripp's parenting book, but doesn't see how your practical in-the-moment methods build on Tripp's theories. How can I, with respect and submission, Help my husband understand I am getting to their hearts, even if he doesn't see immediate change. We have three girls, age 10, 7, and 1. Our church strongly encourages the use of your wise words for mom's chart, so my husband knows I'm getting grounded wisdom, but he struggles not seeing immediate results. I know it takes time to reach our kids' hearts, but I want to respect his desires for leading, too. 
Hi, Allie. First, I want to say I love your desire to respect your husband's leadership and for you guys to be on the same page in your parenting methods, because both of those desires will bring unity to your marriage, which will bring comfort and peace and security to your child. Mm. Also, I'm so glad to hear that your husband loves Paul Tripp's book on parenting, because it just so happens that that's one of my favorite parenting books, too. So, uh, Katie, I think we should definitely put a link in our show notes for that one, because it is excellent. So, from what I'm gathering... Allie, it sounds like the bottom line is that you believe you are getting to your child's heart, even though you aren't necessarily seeing immediate change, but your husband believes that because there's not an immediate change, your parenting methods are not working. Well... I'm going to put on my marriage counseling hat, even though I have zero qualifications for that, and offer some uh, advice and insight that I hope is going to settle this marital dispute once and for all. And that insight is, drumroll, you're both right. Here, here's the thing. Our kids have an ongoing heart problem, and that ongoing heart problem is sin. It's the sin in their hearts that causes them to behave the way they behave. As parents, it is so easy for us to get caught up in wanting to see a change in their behavior, and so that's what we tend to focus on. But when we do that, it makes their behavior the measuring stick for whether or not our parenting methods are working. We want to believe our methods will bring about change, and we all have that natural tendency to gravitate to a seeing-is-believing mentality. We like to see the fruit of our labor, so when it comes to parenting, we like to see evidence of change because that means that what we're doing is working. So we try to enforce the laws that God has laid out for us in Scripture by coming up with rules and regulations and hopes that obedience to those laws will bring about change in our children. And when that doesn't happen, happen, we just throw up our hands and say, well, this isn't working. Mm. Yes, change does need to take place in our children, but unfortunately, nothing we do as parents will bring about that change. Allie, since your husband and I both love Paul Tripp's book called Parenting, I think it's only fitting that I read what Paul says about this in his chapter on law. He writes this, Thousands and thousands of well-meaning Christian parents are asking the law to do in the lives of their children what only the powerful grace of God can accomplish. If rules and regulations had the power to change the heart and life of your child, giving him a heart of submission and faith, Jesus would have never needed to come. I love that. I know, it's so good. And then Paul goes on to say, this is what every parent of every child needs to understand. The law does a very good job of exposing your child's sin but it has no power whatsoever to deliver your child from it. Mm. And that's the end of the quote. So, Allie, your husband is right in saying that your methods are not working to bring about immediate change in behavior, but that's just it. Immediate change in behavior, that is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for our children to recognize the sin in their heart and to put their trust in Jesus for forgiveness and redemption. And we encourage that by having ongoing encounters and ongoing conversations with our children that point them to their ongoing need for the grace of God to change them. So in case you guys missed that, Parenting is ongoing. <laughs> it's not a one-time event, but a continual process of leading serial sinners to the foot of the cross over and over again until that final day when sin is once and for all defeated and we can live in the full righteousness and the full glory of God. And let me just add what a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen. 
But until then, we're all stuck in this never-ending cycle or loop of sinning and confessing and repenting, meaning we can't expect from our children what we ourselves can't do, which is to stop sinning. When we expect our children to stop sinning, we're basically being hypocritical because in reality, we're just big serial sinners parenting little serial sinners. Okay, Ginger, that is exactly where my mind went when you were answering Allie's question because I can't think of a single phase of my life where I didn't struggle to gain victory over some sort of sin. So in this season of my life, it's perpetual distraction. I'm just being honest, but I'm so grateful for the people God has put in my life to gently and patiently bring me back to God's word time and time again. I can't think of many instances where I was brought to repentance through heavy-handed rebuke. Mm, Same here, Katie. And that's where the role of parenting comes into play, Mm. to gently and patiently bring our kids back to God's Word time and time again. Although we have the same struggle with sin they do, though we also have that high calling and privilege of being ambassadors of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul explains how God has called us to the gospel message of reconciliation. He writes in chapter 5, verse 20, We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you, as on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Allie, I said you were right, too, in that you are getting to the heart of your child, even though you aren't seeing immediate change. Again, it goes back to that ongoing need for our children to hear the message of the gospel. But keep in mind, there's a difference between you getting the message of God into your child's heart and God actually changing your child's heart through the transforming work of Christ. We can't expect parenting methods to do what only God can do. We might be able to get our children to outwardly comply to some extent, but only God can change their hearts. When you say you're following the methods that I write about and that I talk about, I assume you mean the three-step plan that I offer in my Wise Words for Moms chart and my parenting books, in particular, the I Can't Believe You Just Said That book. So if you are following the three-step plan, then that means that you are, uh, when your child misbehaves, that you're asking those heart-probing questions, which which helps your child look past the outward behavior and recognize the issue of the heart, which is step one of the plan. And then steps two and three are based on the verses in Ephesians 4 that says we're to put off our old self and to put on our new self. So step two is what to put off, what God's Word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. You know, I call it a three-step plan or method, but it's really not my method. I'm just encouraging parents to follow the example Jesus set for us in addressing the sins of the heart rather than just demanding outward compliance. The good news for frustrated parents is that a change of heart is going to lead to a change of behavior. And Ginger, if I could chime in here really quickly, I want us to also keep in mind as parents that a change of behavior is not the same thing as a change of heart. And so some children who might behave perfectly well in many instances may not have a heart change. And so we just need to be careful not to attach those two things together in our minds. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. I'm glad you said that. So yeah, so steps two and three, that uh, what to put off and what to put on, those are both based on what the Word of God has to say about the sins that drive the outward behaviors. And my Wise Words for Moms chart and my parenting books, all I've really done is just give specific scriptures to help parents address the specific issues kids struggle with. I basically just sat down and done the homework for parents because I know how busy you guys are. 
Yeah, I really shouldn't even take credit for it. I've just done the organizing for you so that you can quickly put your hands on the verses you need when you need them. Uh, Allie, your husband is very right in saying the methods you're using from my books are not bringing about change in your children. That's because there is no power in the methods I offer Mm -hmm. in my books and at my conferences. And there's no power in the advice that Katie and I offer on this podcast. Nothing we say and no three-step plan that I recommend will lead to true change in the hearts of your children. Our goal is to come alongside you and equip you and encourage you with ways that you, as an ambassador of Christ, can help your children understand that the sin in their hearts is what drives their wrong behavior. And we want to spur you guys on to take every opportunity to help your children understand their need for Christ, who is the only cure for sin and the only one who can create real lasting change in their lives. What we need to always remember is that we as parents, we are just the vehicles delivering the message of God and pointing our children to the hope that they have in Jesus. It's not about our rules or our parenting strategies or our methods of discipline. There is actually nothing we can do or say to create lasting change. It's the powerful, convicting, and life-giving truths of God's Word that penetrates and changes the hearts and the lives of our kids. Amen. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. As a mom, I can't imagine going back to the good old days where parents just sent their teenagers off in a car without a way to call if they you know, get into a fender bender with their insurance agent's daughter. That's a true story. I did that. And as my kids mature, I like the idea of them being able to reach me if something happens. Uh, But I don't like the idea of giving my kids access to the entire World Wide Web of wackadoos. This is why I'm ecstatic to introduce you to our sponsor, Gab Wireless. They are the first smartwatch and smartphone provider to actually do something smart when it comes to our kids. Gab watches and phones look and feel like all the smart devices on the market, but the great thing is that they don't cost more than a mortgage payment, and they're super safe for kids. There's no internet, no apps, no games, no social media, and no contract. Instead, the Gab watches and phones have just the functionality that is safe for kids and nothing more. Gab watches and phones are just $100 and start at $10 per month for service. But for our podcast listeners, Gab has offered $30 off the price of their watches and phones. Just use the code GINGER at checkout to get your Gab watch or Gab phone for just $70. 
Go to Gab, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 backs that up. It says, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. We're so tempted to look at the bad behaviors of our kids and say, well, you know what? Our parenting methods aren't working. I get emails and notes from some of you guys saying, I'm doing all the things you're talking about, but it's just not making a difference. My son is still being mean to his sister, (laughs) or my daughter is still throwing tantrums, or my kids are still not obeying me or being respectful. You know, in that very same Paul Tripp book that Ali mentioned and that you have already quoted, Ginger, he expressed some similar questions from parents. So here's what he said. We want parenting to be a series of events rather than a lifelong process. So in moments of discipline, we get loaded for bear. We get cranked up emotionally and think that if we are stern enough and loud enough and make threats that are big enough, we will win and our children will instantly change. I have had parent after parent say something like this to me, Paul, I've tried everything you have suggested and it hasn't worked. My question at that point always is, how do you know? And that's the end of quote. I love that because we don't know. That's right. We have no idea. That's right. Just because we aren't seeing the immediate changes we'd like to see, that doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't working. It doesn't mean that God's not doing a work in the hearts of our kids. If we're feeding our kids the Word of God, we can be confident that Word is not returning void. Mm. Isaiah 55, 11 says, the, My Word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purposes uh, for which I sent it. We can't actually know what's in the heart of our kids. Only God knows that. But we can be certain that God uses His Word to work in accordance with His will and His purpose. So regardless of whether or not we're seeing the changes that we want to see, our mission is still the same. It's to be faithful ambassadors and representatives of God's Word. We want to proclaim uh, His truth to our children every chance we get. I love this quote by Brian Chappell. He says, The essence of parental love is recognizing that we are the dispensers of God's grace into our children's lives. They learn to identify and reverence God's character through the way we treat them, both in moments of profound pride and in times of intense disappointment. Hmm. Oh, Hmm. that can can feel like a lot of pressure, (laughs) to be honest, to be a dispenser of God's grace and to do so no matter how they behave. But I want to keep coming back to considering how God disciplines me. If I humble myself and realize that I sometimes struggle just as much as my kids, it really does cause me to ponder my volume, my tone, and my face as I'm dispensing that grace to my Mm, kids. mm -hmm, That's right. You know, it's to the extent that we as parents appreciate the grace that we've been given that we extend that grace to our children. And part of that grace is shown in our willingness to teach, rebuke, correct, and train them in righteousness with patience and gentleness and love over and over again. Mm. Now, in addition to feeding them the Word of God and pointing them to Jesus, we're still also called to take authority over our kids. We're called to train and instruct and lovingly discipline them. But we have to realize that those things do not create real heart change. 
we take authority over our kids, not as the creator of change, but as representatives of the God who does create lasting change. Mm. Paul Tripp has so many good things to say about this. So allow me to quote him a little bit more here. It's it's Paul Tripp Day, by the way. Um, <laughs> more often we quote Ted Tripp. Some of you listeners may have heard us quote Ted since he, uh, Ginger, is your mentor. But I have gained so much from both of these men. Oh, me too, Katie. I tell you, the Trip Brothers, they are the bomb. They are great. So It's because they're so Christ-centered. It's mm-hmm. always pointing back to Jesus in all things. And It's also their mustaches. I, I think they have great <laughs> mustaches. <and that's, laughs> they do. Yeah, they got it going on, so that's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> so in regards to how we do need to take authority over our kids, not because we can change them, but because we are called to be the representatives of the God who can, Paul Tripp writes this, quote, this means that you quit trying to exercise whatever power is available to you to get your children to change and begin to think as a representative. Representing the God who gives us grace for change means looking for daily opportunities to communicate that grace, helping our children to see how they need that grace and modeling that grace in the way that we speak and act toward our children. Now, let me stop reading right there and caution parents just a little bit, because some parents grab hold of this new trend that we see in grace-based parenting. Mm. as an excuse to not discipline their kids. But grace and biblical discipline are not separate from one another. They go hand in hand. So we don't want to neglect our responsibilities to train, instruct, and discipline our children. We don't want to ignore their wrong behavior and let them just do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it and claim that we're, quote, just showing them grace. That's not grace. That's disobeying God's command for parents to discipline and train their children. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14 says this to parents, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and save them from death. So here we see that failure to discipline our kids actually puts them at risk. Uh, Let's read just a little bit more from Paul Tripp because he addresses the misconceptions of grace in his book as well. He writes, quote, I'm not talking about parenting that has no correction or discipline. What I'm talking about is the exercise of parenting authority that submits to the essential power of transforming grace. This kind of authority abandons hope in human power and gladly places its hope in the awesome power of God. His power alone is the hope of every parent and every child, whether they know it or not. You don't get up in the morning and shoulder again the burden of your children's change. Rather, you get up and surrender everything that you will do and say to the God of change who has sent you to be his representative. And that's the end of the that's quote. Great. It is. So I tell you, everything he writes is just so that's good because beautiful. it's just so gospel focused. Mm -hmm. Okay, Allie, something else you mentioned was that your husband uh, feels that you're too soft. You wrote, he feels I'm too soft and my using a soft-spoken voice doesn't convey enough reproof. When you say that he thinks you're too soft, I'm wondering if that means he thinks you uh, just just talk all the time and you avoid discipline when it's needed. That's interesting, Ginger, because... um, Well, first of all, I'm glad you said that for those listeners who might struggle with consistency and discipline. Uh, In fact, listeners, if you know that is a particular struggle of yours, please listen to episode three where we address that exact issue. And um, we'll address that more in a little bit uh, because Ginger has some really good resources on that topic. But Ginger, I actually read something different or maybe additional into Allie's question. She said that her husband believes that using a soft-spoken voice doesn't convey enough reproof. And 
I could be completely off base, but I took that to mean he believes that she's too gentle and not stern enough in her tone and maybe even her mannerisms. So if we could explore that just for a minute before you get to your yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, please. Our primary role as mothers is to nurture our, our children. We are literally designed by God to feed our children with our bodies. And so we are instinctively wired that way. When we fulfill that high calling, we reflect the character of God. Fathers are given the high calling of spiritual leadership in the home, and that is not to be taken lightly. Um, and it's super controversial in our day and time, this God-given role of men and fathers, but it's not up for debate if you read what God's word actually says. Fathers are to model the authoritative character of God for their children and to do so without provoking them to anger. And that's mm-hmm. the key. So these two qualities, nurturing and authority, are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I think that is one of the incredible things about God's design for families. It takes men and women working together to give a child what he or she needs. In fact, it takes a village of men and women, actually, and that's why we have the church. So look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 12. I just want to read this so we can see what God's word says here about the role of church leaders. I love how the Apostle Paul uses the metaphors of motherhood and fatherhood. And it's interesting, too, that he is likely responding here to apparent criticism or doubts about his ministry. He says, we were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. In other words, he could have been heavy handed with the Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And then skipping ahead to verse 11, he said, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So the Apostle Paul shows us what it looks like to lead and to reprove with gentleness and strength, with patience and urgency. These things are not in competition. They're complementary. And I love this definition of that word, complementary from Merriam-Webster, mutually supplying each other's lack. Hmm. So I think we need to be careful not to try to turn our spouses into ourselves when it comes to disciplining our kids. Yes, we need to be on the same page. And yes, we need to work together toward a common goal. But let's leave room for that complementary parenting. Okay, but Ginger, if we are to assume, if we are to assume that Allie's question has more to do with a lack of consistency and discipline on her part, then what are your thoughts on that? Well, Allie, your primary goal is to reach the heart of your child, but discipline does have its place. And if you and your husband are not on the same page on the why, when, and how of biblical discipline, then I highly recommend that you guys listen to my Reaching the Heart of Your Child three-session audio series. It's based on the same content that's in my book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, but I recorded these audios because I know that a lot of folks just don't have time to read these days. So for some, it's just a lot easier to listen. So that is the reason I put this whole seminar together. Now, of course, it would be best if you guys could listen together so that you could pause and talk about it while you're listening. But if it's hard to find time to do that, uh, you guys could listen separately and then just come together to discuss it. I've had a lot of husbands listen while they're driving back and forth to work. And I've had a lot of moms listen while they're out running errands. And if your kids are running errands with you, 
totally fine for them to listen to. I actually encourage that because I think it's good for the kids to hear the reasons why you're wanting to reach their hearts and some of the practical ways that uh, you might be using to go about doing that. So again, there are three sessions. Each one is about 45 minutes long. Session one is on how to reach the heart of your child. Session two is on how to give a biblical reproof, which is, let me just pause right here because that was another part of your question, Allie. You said that your husband feels that you're using a soft-spoken voice voice doesn't convey enough reproof. So I really think you guys would find the second session on how to give a biblical reproof really helpful. I talk about the benefits of teaching in the context of the moment, having children practice the biblical alternative to their sinful behaviors, and I offer six guidelines for giving a biblical reproof, which are all based on scripture. One of those guidelines is to use a gentle tone of voice, which we get from Proverbs 15.1. That verse says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we don't want to speak harshly to our children because clearly that is going to provoke them to anger and that's not what we're after. You guys have heard me say this before, but a biblical reproof involves speaking to our kids in a normal, not angry, tone of voice and with carefully measured words. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. So all of that is thoroughly covered in session two. And then session three is on the biblical use of the rod. Session three is where I really get down to the nitty gritty of the actual act of discipline and what the Bible has to say about it from a practical standpoint. Allie, again, I so love and respect that you are wanting to respect your husband's leadership. That just says so much about your heart. And it could be that your husband listens and he doesn't agree with everything I have to say about discipline. And you know what? That's okay. Ask him what he agrees with. Ask him what he didn't agree with. And then respect his leadership. And you guys come up with your own plan as a couple for discipline, uh, a discipline plan that best suits your family. Because it's not so much about the particulars of how you flesh it out as it is so much uh, that you're on the same page in your parenting. Because like I said at the beginning, that's going to bring unity to your marriage, which brings comfort and security to your kids. So listeners, Ginger's three-session audio series is available on in CD format or as a digital download. So at the end of our show today, we're going to tell you about how you can get a discount on Ginger's Reaching the Heart of Your Child audio series. Oh, and, and this will be a really good time. Um, I've been meaning to mention this. Uh, for for a while now, and it just now hit me. The digital download um, is a great resource for our international listeners. Yes. Um, Because we now have a lot of listeners from all over the world, and I am constantly getting emails from you guys complaining about how expensive (laughs) it is to have my books and resources shipped overseas. So so for all of our friends outside of the United States, uh, the least expensive way that you can really get the core content of, of my teaching is to purchase that digital download of my Reaching the Heart of Your Child series. And that series, I cover all of the content from my book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. That's right. And you can get that digital download by going to gingerhubbard.com. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. If the coronavirus, I think we're going to stop saying coronavirus in this transition (laughs) because I'm so tired of hearing about coronavirus. I know, me too. (laughs) Anyway, if the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's that we weren't meant to live in isolation. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Chrissy in Minnesota, and she says this. My quick tip is about dry erase markers. The only thing I have found to get dry erase markers out of clothing is Murphy's oil soap. 
I've tried it all. Hydrogen peroxide, OxyClean, Shout, Fels Naphtha, just to name a few. I use the kind already mixed in the spray bottle with the orange spray nozzle. Spray it on the stain, let it sit for one minute, then scrub it. She uses her fingernail, she says, and it comes right out. Then launder as usual with other clothes. It really has been a clothes saver in our house. I love this tip because... Um, Ginger, you probably know this about me, but I, I will laminate anything that will sit still. Oh, I yep. love organizing and laminating <laughs> and labeling. And I laminate things all the time. And we write on it with dry erase or wet erase markers. And it, mm-hmm. does, it does not come out of clothing easily at all. So I am definitely, Chrissy, going to try your tip next time we have a marker situation. And I'm, all, I'm loving all of these laundry tips especially. So thank you so much for that, Chrissy. If you have a quick tip for our show, we'd love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We'd love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. All right. So I hope you guys have been encouraged that teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training our children in righteousness is a process and pointing them to their need for the rescuing grace of Jesus to bring about lasting change in their lives. That is something that we're going to have to do over and over. But just like laboring in a garden, we will reap what we sow. So let us keep on sowing the seeds of righteousness. And what better garden to plant those seeds than the fertile soil of our children's hearts? And to God be the glory. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her three-session audio series, Reaching the Heart of Your Child, the why, when, and how of biblical discipline at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or two day conference as well as a full weekend retreat. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.